airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Erin the Addisons here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison holding it down for the family, sending you greetings from the Addison tribe. We are blessed to be here with you today. Man, I have a great show today. We're going to have in our second segment. Uh, Dale Sellers, he wrote a book, uh, a great book uh, called Stalled. And we're going to talk about churches, small to mid-sized churches and resources that will be available uh, for those churches. But first, want to make sure I uh, make these announcements. You can download our podcast at AFR.net slash podcast. So just go to the, that homepage, look for the podcast tab, click it and look for Aaron Addison's. You'll find us there. You can email us at addisons at AFR.net. We get your emails. Um, and if we don't respond immediately, we will try to, you know, but keep emailing us. Uh, so one we had yesterday, we, sh- we should be responding to that one uh, soon. Uh, also, the living the gospel during difficult times. I had to notice that the one uh, that's scheduled for outside of Birmingham uh, has been canceled on October 29th. So I want to make note of that. But you can go to uh, AFA.net slash events and see the different town halls that are coming up. And so make sure you go there. And also I want to say in his image, the documentary, you can still watch it uh, in his image dot movie. Make sure you go there. There's been a big response uh, from you guys. So uh, keep sharing it and uh, and letting people know about in his image, a great resource for you. Uh, as we navigate these times. All right. Something I want to mention during this first segment, that as Christians, it's our main job as Christians not to politic, but to pray. Now, we know that we should know what was going on in politics. We should have an understanding of what's happening uh, in this country and how it operates. And we're all for that. But the main job of the Christian is not to politic, but one of the main jobs that what we have is to pray. And I want to look at Daniel chapter 6, and I want to uh, read a portion of it. Some just stuck out to me as I was reading through uh, chapter 6, and it says, It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over uh, them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Verse four, then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regards to government affairs. 
but they could find no ground of accusation of, or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was fruit, uh, faithful and uh, no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the, pre the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. A couple of things I want to point out. So Daniel had a high position, a high political position. He was one of the three commissioners over the satraps, over the 120 satraps. Now, a satrap is it's like a, a governor. They were governors of the provinces of the ancient Median uh, empires uh, and in several of their successors. So they were high-ranking officials as well. So Daniel was one of the commissioners that was over these satraps. So Daniel was a type of a, a president, you, you could say. You know, his position was that high. But Daniel had favor from God and began to distinguish himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And King Darius saw this and he wanted to promote Daniel to be over the kingdom. So this didn't set well with the politicians, right? The politicians got mad and devised a plan. They tried to find corruption in Daniel, but could not find anything. Uh, and they came to the conclusion that there would be no way to get Daniel unless it was something to do with re uh, regarding his fidelity to God. Man, what a testimony to have a politician who you can't find any corruption in. Because <laughs> Daniel had a political uh, uh, position, but I would submit that he wasn't really a politician. He was given over to a higher power, to God. And he never forgot that. But these other politicians, they were trying to chop him down. They saw he was gaining favor. They saw that he was, uh, uh, that King Darius really liked him. And he kind of was breaking off from the pack as being someone who was uh, doing a great job and was going to be promoted. So what a testimony for Daniel to uh, excel again in this climate so much so that they look for things to find that would cause uh, be a cause of corruption in him, but they couldn't find anything. So they came to a conclusion. The only way that we're going to get him is that it has to be something to his loyalty towards God. So the politician scheme came up with a plan uh, 
It went to King Darius, and playing on his ego, it said all the other higher-ranking officials, equivalent to the governors, senators, representatives, thought he should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god of man besides him for 30 days should be thrown in the lion's den. And the king, I would say, in his folly, signed that document. And it was, it was such a, a document that it couldn't be revoked. It was a part of their law and how they did things. It could not be, you couldn't go back on it. But in verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So when Daniel found himself in a tight situation, he didn't try to politic his way out of it. Uh, He did what he was already in the practice of doing. He wasn't going to now close his window uh, so that no one can see him or hide out in his closet. But he went back up to that roof where the window was wide open, as always, towards Jerusalem and continued praying three times a day before God as he had been doing before. Nothing changed. See, when you have true men and women of God who are involved in politics and things like that, when they get to wherever they are, D.C., (laughs) your state capital, no matter where it is, they don't change. No matter if the pressure is on on them, no matter if, you know, they have other people who are scheming behind the scenes to try to get them out, they don't change because they know who they who they are in, in Christ. And I would submit that Daniel, he was able not to be moved because he knew his God. See, politicians, they wet their finger, put it up in the air and try to see which way the wind is blowing. And that's the way that they'll go. They're always ready to step on somebody else to get to where they need to be. or They feel like they want to be. They're willing to scheme and to maneuver to get into positions and things like that. This is what these men were trying to do. And you notice it wasn't only to say traps, but it was the other two commissioners as well who joined in this as as well as other officials to try to out Daniel. It's amazing. Politicians try to finagle and compromise. When sticky situations come about, they are moved to the right or to the left. They change up their approach uh, to suit the situation. You know, but in Psalm chapter 125, verse one, it says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. We know what happens next. Right. The politicians, they run and report Daniel to the king and the king has to keep his his decree that he signed and Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. But just like Daniel was faithful to God, not moved by the circumstances or by what was going on around him, he wasn't moved by it. God was faithful to shut the lion's mouth on Daniel's behalf. What I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, is that no matter what we see, no matter what's going on, if we can stay in a consistent place of prayer, and I'm preaching to myself, because this is something we are easily distracted and shaken from that place of prayer. 
you know, the consistency that Daniel had that he did every day. I think it upheld him when this difficult circumstance came about. He was not moved. He was like that tree planted by streams of water because he had already uh, uh, been doing what he was supposed to be doing, praying without ceasing, had a time where he was away with God, you know, to pray and to give thanks to God. So when these politicians came and devised this plan, he wasn't shaken. But just like always, he was going back to his spot of prayer, the, the place where he prayed with the windows wide open and said, man, that don't stop me. That's not going to stop me. I know what this decree has said. I know that, you know, this thing has been signed by King Darius. I, I know all of this stuff. The information that says when he knew that this document was signed, he did like he always do. Look, when we have things come up against us, you know, when there are schemes, when there are maneuvers, when people are trying to to out us, do are we shaking off of our spot or having the information? And when we know what's going on, do we go right back to that place of prayer and say, man, I'm praising God anyway. I'm praying anyway. I'm not going to try to finagle and maneuver and see how I can counterattack. My counterattack is in my prayer closet. My counterattack is in my room with my windows wide open that they can see that I'm still calling out to the true and the living God. We don't move. We don't change course with all that's at hand. Uh, let's be encouraged to continue on in what we know to do. Let our devotion to God be unmoved in this political climate. Let us remain faithful to God. I'm telling you, just like the Bible says, that men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Again, I said this before. It tells me that men lose heart because we don't pray. And if we're going to be the caliber of Christian, like we see Daniel, follower of God like Daniel, who when he was up against circumstances like this, where they wanted to backdoor him, he wasn't moved off his spot. He continued to pray. And the Lord was faithful to Daniel. And Daniel was faithful to the Lord. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Will Addison, and I'll be back right after this. Once again, this is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison. Man, it's my pleasure to be with you guys today. And then taking encouragement from the word of God in Daniel chapter 6, that we don't have to be moved off of our position and our place of prayer. Even when pressure 
comes our way and times get tough, that we know that we can continue to do what we always do. And hopefully that's what we're doing, that we're praying, that we're found in our place of prayer. And look, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. It happened. But God was faithful to Daniel because Daniel was faithful to God. Daniel was faithful to God. He didn't stop what he was doing. He didn't change his method because uh, these, this, this uh, document was signed that's saying he couldn't pray to anyone but the king. But he stayed on what he was doing. And so I hope we can take uh, courage in that, just knowing that God, uh, he, is, he is faithful. He's so faithful. Right now, I'm going to turn our attention to our guest today. Uh, Dale Sellers is the author of Stalled and the executive director of 95 Network, a nonprofit ministry designed to help small and mid-sized churches uh, through content, conferences, coaching, and consulting. Dell has been in ministry for 40 years and now travels extensively leading 95 Network's one-day conferences, as well as serving as a facilitator for Vision Day. He and his wife, Gina, live in South Carolina. Dell, thank you for being with us today. Will, thanks for having me. I feel like we need to have an altar call after that preaching you were just doing. <laughs> oh, man, look, the Word of God is alive you know, and it, and it blesses us, man. It blesses us today yes, even sir, in, in all situations. And, man, I'm so thankful for what you do because, uh, truth be told, I am an associate pastor of a small church. And, uh, and I see what your ministry has been doing. And I'm like, man, this is great to have resources that would help uh, small to mid-sized churches, you know, because sometimes some of those resources are, they may not be available or they may be uh, so expensive that you can't really do anything. And so um, I just want to talk to you about your book, Stall. Uh, it's dedicated to the pastors who thought they'd be there by now. Uh, talk yeah. more about Stall and, and what is there to you? Like, beware. What, would, what do they want to be by now? Well, as you mentioned at the beginning, I've been in ministry for almost 40 years, yes. and uh, the first 10 years that uh, I was, uh, when my wife and I were married, we traveled with a couple of Christian music groups and did about 1,100 concerts in churches throughout America. Wow. And one of the things that we noticed as we were doing these concerts, uh, that was that a lot of the pastors that we met and a lot of the staffers we met were really discouraged. Mm. And I was a young fireball with all this energy and excitement, and I'm like, what happened? Where did their fire go? Where's their passion? You know, where, where's their great faith, you know? Mm. But when you're on the road, you don't always deal with the same things that pastors deal with week in and week out. Yeah. Uh, and so when I came off the road, I began to serve in different capacities on a church staff, and then I had the opportunity to pastor a small church for 12 years. Uh, and what mm. I like to say is that church grew from 30 up to 300, mm. but then it dropped back to 150 because we had a terrible split. Mm. And and the reason we had a split, to be very honest with you, is because I, I was not a good leader. I, there were things I needed to deal with mm. and learn and grow that I didn't do well. So the parallel that kind of feeling like a failure, um, and I felt like not just a failure vocationally, but I felt like I was a disappointment to the Lord. Mm. And so I, I reached this place in my life where I just felt like, you know, I can't get there. But if, well, if you and I had been having coffee one day and you said, Dale, where, where is there? I couldn't tell you. Because <laughs> I, I had this false image of what success was. Yeah. Uh, and so it really, it really affected my life. Um, I'm 58 years old as we talk today. Mm. Uh, five years ago, this December, I had quadruple bypass surgery. Wow. Um, and there's still heart disease in my family. I've never smoked. I'm not severely overweight. 
Yeah. And my surgeon, when I asked him how this happened to me, and he said, well, honestly, Dale, it's the hypertension that caused your high blood pressure brought on by the stress of what you do. Wow. And I'm like, are you, what are you, are you saying the ministry almost killed me? And he said, that's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. I said, but you don't understand. My stress is good stress. I love what I do. He said, Dale, your body don't know the difference. Wow. And so, Will, what I found that I was doing was I got to this place in my life where I was just trying so hard. And I know we're saved by grace through faith. I understand that theologically, but I was trying to, I guess, produce these works to, to just feel approved. Mm-hmm. And when I could not grow the church, if you will, uh, it really had a, an effect on my life. Yeah, so talk to us about 95, the 95 Network and its mission and ministry, and how did it come about as far as uh, serving the small, smaller churches and mid-sized, mid-sized churches? 95 Network was founded uh, several years ago by a pastor friend of ours in Peoria, Illinois, named Jim Powell. Since then, Jim is now pastoring in, in Arizona. But uh, I was on the board with 95 Network, and eventually Jim turned it over to me and a group of pastors. And, and basically, here's the concept. The name 95 Network comes from the fact that 95% of the 300,000 churches in America, 95% of them have less than 500 people attending. Mm-hmm. 87% of them have less than 200 people attending. Mm-hmm. And 70 to 75%, depending on who you listen to, of all the churches in America have less than 100 people attending. Mm-hmm. So the small church and the mid-sized church is actually the backbone of the church in America. But as you mentioned in the intro, the, the good resources, the, the great programs, the things that, that really are, would be helpful are typically out of reach for a small church. You know, uh, just from a financial perspective, when you're just struggling to make ends meet, and this is before COVID, mm-hmm. uh, if, when you're already having difficulties doing that, you can't afford the really good resources. Yeah. So what we do at 95 Network is we provide four, we call the four C's. We have a membership that's $95 a year, and inside our membership we provide just tons and tons, thousands of dollars with the free content. Uh, we do coaching, which if a pastor needs coaching, we, we have a process that we lead them through for a year. We do conferences virtually and in person, mm-hmm. uh, designed specifically to encourage and strengthen the small and mid-sized church pastor. And then we do consulting, which you mentioned the vision day. And that would be where I would come to an individual church and spend a weekend with their leadership team, just helping them to hone in on their mission and vision and, and, and how to connect with their community. So those are the things that we do. And everything we do and all of our strategic partners, it's all designed to encourage and strengthen and come along beside these small and mid-sized churches. And that's awesome. And, I, and as I said before, I serve as an associate pastor of a small church. And uh, me and a senior pastor, we constantly encourage each other that the mission is not about numbers for us. It's not about nope. how many people that we can get to be a part of this church, but to aid in perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry, uh, for edifying yeah. them to the body, for the body of Christ. How important is accountability and clear mission in developing small to mid-sized churches uh, so that you don't get distracted by numbers and other things? You ask good questions, brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. so when we work with the church, the very first thing we talk about is is your mission. Mm. And we believe your mission is why you exist. I would say that the majority of churches in America have no idea why they exist. They just exist. So they don't know why they're gathering on Sunday. They just always have. And and that will not that will not work in the long run. You've got to understand what the Great Commission is by far what all of our mission is. But there's a unique bend, just like at your church with you and your your pastor. Mm-hmm. There's something unique about your personalities of how you guys will present the gospel to your community. Yeah. So we help a church kind of understand how how is it we are going to carry out the Great Commission. 
and, and that's really uh, very important to understand. If you don't understand your mission, if you don't understand why you exist, it's very hard to build up leadership. It's very hard to have a discipleship path. It's very hard to have effective communications within your church and outside of your church, and it's very difficult to retain volunteers in the long haul. And the bottom line of all of this is we want to help churches get healthy today, not just for today, but because they've got to reach the next generation. Amen. Success is not about uh, being successful today. Success is about setting this thing up so we can hand it off to the next generation. So this is why at 95 Network, our first focus is on health more than on numerical growth. Now, we believe you get healthy. We want you to go numerically, but mm-hmm. if you're not healthy, we don't want you to go numerically because it's just going to be a bigger mess. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And so having a clear mission from what I'm hearing, it helps the, the life of the church in general. Like it sets the tone for, for where you're going as, as a, a fellowship. And uh, it just, it just really gives comfort, I think, to the people who are part of, of that, of that ministry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about it for a minute. If you mm-hmm. serve in the nursery of a church and and you don't know the mission of the church, and, and the reason we have nursery is to provide care for the for the children, for the toddlers, for the babies. There's a twofold ministry. There's your ministry to the children, but you're also ministry to the parents. Mm. Well, if, if you are clear about why you're doing that, it makes it easier to get volunteers to sign and stay involved when they understand the overall objective versus if you just present it as though it's a need that we need to babysit kids. That's not going to sustain you in the long term. Yeah. You've got to present the mission of why we do what we do, and most churches uh, really need to grow in that. Man, that's so that's so good. Um, you know, you talk about the negative effects of comparison. Uh, why is it so important that a small church pastor doesn't compare his ministry to a larger uh, mega church? It's really simple uh, because the the big the mega church it has more resources available. That's true. When I go in and work with the church, uh, like like this past weekend, I was in Virginia. I'm I'm flying up to Chicago Heights this weekend to work with the church there. When I sit and talk with that church, I want them to understand that it's better for a small church to do one or two things really well mm-hmm. than to try to do twenty things poorly. Mm. But because if if we have a small church, we don't have the people, we don't have the finances, we probably don't have the space to do the same thing that a church down the road that have 600 or 1,000 or more people, they have more resources to draw from. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in so many small churches is, is we try to do too much, we spread too thin, we have all the same volunteers doing all the work, and it wears them out. And, and so it's better to, to, to narrow things down, to focus on what it is specifically God wants you to do, and, and having a really good mission not only helps you say yes to a lot of good things, it also helps you say no to a lot of good things That's because you've got to stay on point or else you don't wear your people out. That's good. You know, I want to ask you in your ministry experience over 40 years, you know, I'm thinking about just where I am. How, why does it seem so hard for churches to work together? Say, for instance, if, if the church that I uh, uh, pastor we, we uh, specialize in something that's something that we do well, but there's other churches with more resources that they do all kind of other things. Like, why is there such a reluctance, you th- in, in your opinion, to work together, you know, as a community? I think part of what feeds that and in a lot of churches is um, the basic dynamic in the small and mid-sized church, specifically the small church, is you have something that's unhealthy, and it's, sometimes it's on the pastor and sometimes it's on the congregation. Sometimes the pastor will not hand off ministry or work with other ministries or connect with other people because 
that pastor needs to be needed. That mm-hmm. they, they define their life by being a pastor mm-hmm. instead of understanding that pastor is what they do. It's not who they are. And so if, if they need all that accolades to fill their emotional tank, then what will happen will be that they won't work together with anyone else. They won't, let it, they won't help anyone else rise to the top. They'll always need to do stuff themselves because they need to be needed. The yeah. other dynamic in, in American churches specifically is a lot of our churches, we treat our pastors like they're a hireling. So we say we've mm. hired the pastor to do all the work. We've hired you to do the ministry. We've hired you to do all the hospital visiting or whatever it is. And so uh, that they don't have uh, an understanding of the need to network together with other churches because they're actually not doing the ministry. They've hired someone to do the ministry. And we love to say at 95 Network, there's a book called The Bible. There's a leader in it named Jesus who started something called The Church. And in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, mm-hmm. he told us exactly how to do church. He Amen. said, I'm going to give you apostles, prophets, evangelists, mm. pastors, and teachers yes. to equip saints to do ministry. Well, if you are not an equipping church, if you're not an equipping pastor, then you already know you're not you're not running your church according to how the Bible says a New, church, New Testament church should be run. And therefore, you don't get to see the benefits of working together within the congregation and within the other churches in the community. Wow. Now, that, that's good. Good stuff. I want to ask you, this may be a longer question, so I, I want to ask you a question, but I also want to read something to you. So there are, there are many stories of moral failures and pastors and Christian leaders, um, you know, pastors who are burning out and all this kind of thing that's happening. Uh, one of the biggest in recent news was like Jerry Falwell Jr., another pastor, uh, Patrick Garcia from the Hills Church, stepped down because of moral failure. Uh, and of Pastor Garcia, it was said that that he in, he um, indicated an ongoing he was indicated about an ongoing desire to complete to have complete control without input from the elders uh, up to the including the hiring of the termination of staff without review. So he wanted to do it all just by himself. And he's asked for complete financial authority. He's recommended the removal of multiple layers of accountability and has been resistant to coaching and has been resistant to counsel despite very, very direct feedback. It says he's been on, he's been non-responsive to requests for accountability on performance metrics. In addition, Patrick uh, has uh, demonstrated failures in judgment and leadership. He demonstrates a lack of humility. He demonstrates a lack of maturity, he demonstrates a divisive nature with our elder boy. How important is accountability for pastors who in many times don't have friends because they of their position, um, but but need that accountability? And how do you even go about finding that for, for a pastor, if you're a pastor? Well, first of all, as the leader, you got to want it. That's true. And, and the thing you have to understand is, is God's never called any of us to be independent. He's called us all to be interdependent. Mm. And so while I believe that God's called us, and clearly, according to Ephesians 4, he set up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, uh, there's a mutual um, accountability that happens there where the the leadership's accountable to the the pastor or the staffer, and and the other is also true. What happens oftentimes, Will, is that we have so many pastors who are insecure, and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, ministry kind of defines who they are mm-hmm. and what they do. And so because of that, they are ashamed. Like, it kind of got to the place where I even got to. But they are ashamed to let people know who they really are. Wow. And they have this pressure they put on themselves. Uh, and the reality is this. Nobody starts off with the intent of failing. Mm. But if you develop these unhealthy practices in your life where you're, you don't have uh, friendship and another thing that affects pastors is 
Hey, hey one second. Let's. I'm gonna have to stop you right here because we're hitting the break. This is Aaron Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be, we'll be right back. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. Say no. You're listening to Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, once again, holding it down uh, for the family from the Addison tribe. We bring you greetings. And right now we're talking to Dale Sellers, author of the book Stalled. Uh, it has some great, great information uh, in this book and great resources. at the, if you Check out their website, www.95network.org. And Dale, thank you for being with us, man. Appreciate it. Man, I love being with you. You're awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Hey, I want to, another question about accountability. Uh, and I, I read in your book where you said, you know, you're not like against mega churches or larger churches. Uh, but just, no, the, not. just the fact that, you know, most of the churches and most of the pastors who would be listening to this program right now, probably uh, pastor smaller or mid-sized churches. But I want to ask mm-hmm. you, um, as far as accountability goes, do you think it's harder to have the accountability in a larger church or is it just the same as a smaller or a mid-sized church? I think it's the same because you've got to want it. And you can, and you can hide from accountability in a large church. You mm-hmm. can hide from accountability in a small church. If yeah. you don't know the value of being in a relationship with folks, uh, you set yourself up for failure in the long run, I think. And what yeah. happens is if you start feeling like a failure, if you start feeling like you're stalled, you'll tend to isolate yourself. And Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Mm. And so it's very important that you don't let that happen to yourself. And that's good. Um, what is your take on uh, house churches? Can they provide healthy fellowship, uh, in your opinion? Well, the early church was a house church, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, again, you have to check the heart behind why you're doing what you're doing. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it, here's here's something that I believe uh, that I just learned early in ministry. If you start something as a split or as breaking away from someone with unresolved issues, you'll keep that in your DNA. So mm-hmm. if a church splits and, and goes down the street and starts a new church and calls it Unity Fellowship, but they haven't dealt with their other issues, they'll take those issues with them. So if, if the heart behind starting a house church is because you're anti uh, everything, and you're mm-hmm. against uh, uh, leadership, and yeah. it, it's all behind what's in your heart. But you may be in an area of the country, or in a in, in a, uh, an area that where that would be very effective. I mean, the house church is what makes the church in China work. Mm. And so again, it's about the heart behind why you do what you do, uh, because the pure in heart are the ones that are going to see God move. Awesome, man. Uh, so during this time, you know, we we're in a difficult time. There's lockdowns. There's different things that are happening. Uh, during COVID and stuff like that, what's some advice that you would give to smaller churches during this time? Uh, I, I just can tell you that for our church, as a smaller church, we just uh, went to a couple services where we met the requirements at the time, you know, so we wouldn't have as many people meeting together. But now we all meet together once again. But I, every church is not in that type of situation. So what would you say? I think you have to work within whatever your government guidelines are, because I think it's a bad witness if you're just 
just going to blatantly disobey the rules. Now, I understand if the government starts telling you how to worship, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But, but I think you have to work within that system. And, and here's a term I want you to, to, look, to, to look for. It's going to be very huge going forward. The term is called hybrid church. One of the things we're really diving into at 95 Network is to provide ways to help the small church do effective online and social media presence in their communities, uh, not not diminishing the importance of meeting together in person, because that's what the Scriptures call us to do, right. but, but also taking advantage of the fact that many of the people you can connect with in your community, well, they'll connect with you online before they come in person. Uh, in the old days, it used to be that, that, uh, that you're... Your front door, it basically was, you know, when people came in your front door, uh, they checked out your church. But today, your new front door is your website. And and, and it's just true. In any area of life, before you go anywhere, a restaurant, buy a car, do a business, you check it out online first. And if you have a bad website or no website or no media presence, you're going to have a very hard time connecting with today's generation and the next generation. Okay. And so to find more, so you got to embrace the hybrid, man. <laughs> the hybrid, okay. So to, in, yep. uh, in order to find more information about what you guys are doing, just everybody should go to is it ninety five network dot org? Is that right? Is that mm-hmm. any any other yeah, places? Yeah, and make sure they understand it's the numbers nine and five ninety five network dot org. And and if anybody needs any help at all, please tell them to reach out to us. We would love to help. We'd love to help. And if they'd love to get a copy of the book, they can get that through the ninety five network as well. Awesome. But thank you so much, Dale, for being on with me, man. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Hey, I'd love to hang out with you sometime and have lunch, so let's make that happen. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And that was uh, Dale Sellers, the author of the book Stalled. And so he has some resources for small and mid-sized churches. And so if if that's something that you desire to to look into, uh, that website is 95network.com. Dot org nine five network dot org. I just want to uh, harken back to what we was talking about in the first segment, but before I do that, I want to give out the number if anyone wants to call eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. So you can call. We can talk about uh, small churches, large churches. We can talk about Daniel you know, and his uh, bold stance, which was just what he normally did anyway. You know, he just was doing what he what he normally did. 888-589-8843. Okay. 888-589-8843 is the number. Okay. So I'm getting that from Sherry B. So she's saying 888-589-8843. All right. Again, I want to I want to go back to 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 Daniel um, and where in chapter six and then at verse 10 once again and just kind of remind us what we were Said so now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. And look, I know we're in some time, uh, some hard times right now as far as and I want to just relate this to even church uh, closings and things like that. We were able to figure out, especially when they had the stricter lockdowns, how to not stop 
uh, meeting together. I think that there comes a time, even when the king or the governor or the president or whoever it may be, hands down a, a edict or, or try to say, hey, you know, you can't worship together, you can't meet, that, man, you have to look for ways to be able to continue meeting because we are obedient to the word of God. That's my, that's my take on it. And I feel like Daniel had that approach. He was told, look, don't pray. And if you don't pray to anyone but the king. But Daniel went on doing as he always had been doing and, and went on praying. And God was faithful. God was faithful. God is always faithful. But he was faithful to God and, and what he had already been doing. So the encouragement, you know, even when we talk about church attendance, and I know this could be a sticky topic. You know, like um, some may say, well, you just got to uh, do what they say. Some say, no, man, our, you know, we, we obeyed the word of God. And I would say, man, we always obey the word of God. We use wisdom, but we always obey the word of God. And again, we were able to find a way to, to continue to meet, you know, and I think because I think there's nothing like meeting face to face, having that koinonia, as I talked about uh, the other day, that fellowship. You know, face to face where we are praying for one another, where we are bringing, you know, our, our burdens and our petitions to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to God in prayer together where we're having fellowship, you know, where we're eating, breaking bread together, where the teaching of the word is happening. You know, and we're all gathered in one place. I think there's no there's no substitution for that. And the, the minute that we get off of that and, and allow there to be substitutions. Now, I'm not saying you can't, you know, enhance that or bring more things in like putting it online and stuff like that, but there's no other substitution for being in uh, the house of God, being in the, in the presence of other believers and, and having that type of, of fellowship. You know, so I want to encourage everybody out there that there's some people who haven't been in fellowship for a long time, and I'm hoping that you have some, it don't have to be in a church building. Maybe it, it would be in your house where you can invite like-minded brothers and sisters to come and say, man, let's, let's worship the Lord. You know, like the fellowship shouldn't be stopped because of a church building. That's why I'm hoping, you know, that, that uh, a true relationship is being built in our churches so that when things like this happen, it don't stop the church from meeting because we are the church. And I know that has become cliche that we are the church, but we really are the church and nothing should happen with you know within this world that could stop us from being who we are uh, as as being the church. I want to go to a call. Let's go to Jonathan in Texas. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, my brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I I just got to tune in. I was telling uh, the call screener that I just got to tune in for the first time. I got a job change, so I got to listen to you for the first time, and I had to call in. This is fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, hey. uh, Pastor Sellers, that's who you were interviewing before? Yes, yes. His, his name is uh, Dale Sellers. That's right. Okay. I really appreciated what he said about when when you were rem remarking on home churches, mm -hmm. how he said if you're branching off and you're starting a ministry, if mm -hmm. it is because of unresolved issues, yeah. that you carry that in your DNA. I thought that was Man, so powerful. That is. It's so powerful. And it's going to affect the ministry, you know, going forward. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I, I appreciate your call. Um, but he, he's right. 
you know, if you start off on that type with that type of vibe, you know, that everybody's against every, everything, no leadership, don't want it, that type of thing, then you will uh, that will persist within that ministry. OK, let's go to Annie in Mississippi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Will. Um, I get to hear your voice and talk with you. Um, just want to share real quickly that I was so disappointed with the uh, ministers when the church came to the lockdown and their stand with faith that I took time to write a letter to God, not to mm. anyone else, but just to God, Will. <laughs> yeah. It's it just, we, we say one thing in the pulpit, mm-hmm. and then when it really comes to test, yeah. there's no follow-through. And if I was not rooted in the Lord, it would have damaged my faith. Yeah. But what did damage me is those who had just came into the church or mm. just coming into the knowledge of Jesus. Yeah. It broke my heart, Will. Yeah. I, I, that's it. I won't no. say anymore. It broke my heart. No, I understand that. I understand that perfectly, Annie. And I think, you know, that 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 should come into question how easy we were able to just kind of give in and give over to uh and to that, you know, to just shutting down. Uh not you know, I know I hear people say, Man, but you know, it was just wisdom. I have a lot of older people in my church and things like that. You know, I understand all of that, but at the same time, there has to be a measure uh, of faith and trust in God and a way that we can still meet together, you know, uh, without putting people in, in, into, in danger. I, I really believe that the Lord is faithful, and I believe that when we endeavor to obey his, his word and his commands, that he takes care of us. And like I said, with our own, my own personal experience, we had a way, we figured out a way to be able to uh, uh, still meet. We just broke it up into different times. And if that didn't work or that doesn't work there still should be some type of way that the church meets together that the fellowship of the belief of the believers still stand because man there's a lot of things that's going on you know as people cannot meet there's a a, a, a rise in depression a rise in suicides a rise in all kind of things happening you know because of of these lockdowns there's a lot of things that that's happening. I don't even know if we're going to really be able to gauge the effects of what has happened until like, you know, we go a little further, but man, it's just not a good place. It's not a good place at all. And so I, I would say that, man, we have to have a resolve and even a, a, that spirit uh, like Daniel to say like, okay, I know what this, what the decree is. And I know what the document is that has been signed. But just like normal, I'm still going to try, like normal, I'm still going to try to get together with the believers. I'm still going to do what I normally do with my fidelity to God and and just believing that he is faithful and he will take care. And so that's my stand. And I believe that that stand is backed by the word of God, you know, and I understand what what Annie is coming from, you know, uh, and her her feelings on that. And I think a lot of people have felt that way. I talked to a brother uh, yesterday. I believe it was yesterday and he lives in um, a, a different state and he was saying that he hadn't been in, in a fellowship, man, it, it has been a long time. And he was just telling me about how he missed Bible study. He missed being with other believers and, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, there have to be a way that even if the building will not open, if the pastor won't open the building, you know, that believers still can get together, whether it be in homes, whether it be wherever and still have koinonia, it's important. If it has to be in houses, let it be. Like uh, Dell said, the first churches were in houses anyway. So we shouldn't shy away from that. But you should have fellowship with other believers because it's important for your spiritual life that you have that. 
This has been Aaron and Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and I'll be back with you tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, God bless.